We have a new series that we're starting here this morning. Take a look at this. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. If you've never met, my name is Jay. I'm a part of the team here. Welcome to Westgate. We are so glad you're here, everybody in the room. And we've got folks out in the tent in the lobby and uh, folks watching online. Thank you all for joining us. Um, like Dan said, today we are uh, we're, we're having a family talk. And so before we get into the family talk, I just want to say um, I know that there might be folks who are new to us, maybe you're like in the room and you're kind of new or you're like completely new. Today's your, your first time with us or you're new-ish, you've been around for a few weeks or you're checking us out online for the first time. If that is you, I don't want you to like check out and say, oh, this is like a weird family talk. I'm just checking things out. I'm not really a part of the family. So no, today, I think if you are new, um, today is going to be a glimpse into the story of this church community. As you begin exploring what it might look like, um, as you consider, like actually genuinely consider, is this a community that, that I can be a part of? I actually think today might be a really great day for you, a really helpful day to hear a bit about where we've come from, why we're here, and maybe a little bit about where we're going, where we're headed. And uh, as I think about the story of our church, um, and in a moment I'll share the actual story of Westgate Church briefly, but before I do, like, really the story of our church is the story of people. It's the story of men and women and kids and teenagers of, of real lives that have been changed by the grace of God, by the, the power of the resurrected Christ, and then those changed lives trying to help bring change in the world, kingdom change in the world. And there are so many of those stories represented even just in this room as I look around. So many stories that I'm not even aware of. And I just want to highlight one of those stories as we sort of jump in today. Um, some of you noticed Marianne, Ty, my dear friend Marianne, who was playing the violin. If you've been around Westgate for a while, you've seen Marianne rocking the violin and lifting that violin bow in worship, you know? She's like so amazing, so gifted, so talented. Uh, what you may not know is Marianne um, also serves as one of our elders. She's one of the men and women who spiritually lead and guide um, this church community. And she has sacrificed a great deal over the years, a great deal of energy and time and love and commitment. And she's one of the most passionate followers of Jesus I know. And uh, it, was, it was a bit bittersweet and quite emotional watching her help lead us in worship today because Marianne is, um, she's actually moving. She's moving to San Diego area. Marianne, are you in the room? Are you in the back somewhere? Where is she? Where, where? There you are. There's Marianne. Let's give it up for Marianne, everybody. We love you. We're going to miss you. She has, um, she's going to visit often. By often, I think, hopefully every week. And uh, we'll continue to, so we actually won't miss her. Now, it won't be every week, but um, every time you're here, we expect to see you. 
<laughs> and uh, a big giant hug post-COVID and all that. Okay. Um, man, thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. Beyond the worship leading, um, yeah, just being in the room with you, and our elders, you've been such a joy and encouragement to me. So thank you. Um, Marianne's story is one, again, it is one of literally thousands of stories that make up the story of this church. And so to begin today, I want to tell you a bit about the story of this church. To do that, I want to go like way back, like shortly after World War II, 1953. In 1953, there was a woman named Mildred Schultz. It's a very mid-20th century name, Mildred, right? Mildred Schultz and her family lived right here in West San Jose. And one day, she felt really, really compelled by God to begin a church community here in this part of town. And so she, she and her family and a team received some financial support from Calvary Church Los Gatos, like, who are our dear friends. They're still going. God's doing amazing things in and through them in, in Los Gatos. They received some financial support from Calvary Church Los Gatos, and Mildred and her family and some friends purchased a very small little storefront right here on Quito Road, right across from Saratoga Avenue in 1953. And they renovated that storefront, and they launched there at that storefront on Quito Road, First Baptist Church of Quito Park. This was 1953. And First Baptist Church of Quito Park began to grow, and God began to bring people there. And by 1959, six years in, the church had outgrown their little storefront property. And so they raised some money, and they purchased what is now our theater right here the parking lot. And they changed the name of the church at that time in 1959 to Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church. I'll show you a black and white photo of Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church, the parking lot and uh, the building. And they purchased this property in 1959 for $10,000, you guys. For the price of a used Toyota Corolla, they purchased this property. And for a couple of decades, God began to do some amazing work through Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church. People began to, to come, and they, they began to encounter Jesus, and lives were changed, and friendships and communities were formed. And so Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church grew, and it thrived for a couple of decades. But by the early 1980s, this church, Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church, was in pretty significant decline. Now, fast forward about 10 years. In the early 1990s, there was a group of men and women who lived, many of them lived right here in West San Jose, but they were attending a church called First Baptist Church of Los Altos over in Los Altos. And this group of men and women who were attending First Baptist Church Los Altos, they felt compelled by God to plant a church right here in West San Jose, in their neighborhood, where they could invite their neighbors and their friends and their coworkers. And this little team of men and women who felt called to plant a church in West San Jose, by 1993, that team had grown to about 150 people. And a pastor named Ed Kemp agreed to become the lead pastor of this new church plant. Now the problem was, this church plant did not have a location. 
And at the time, in the early 90s, the lead pastor of Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church was a pastor named Steve Murray. And in this, in this move of incredible kingdom generosity, Steve Murray and the church at Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church went to Ed Kemp and this team from First Baptist Church Los Altos, and they invited that team to plant their church right here in this building, the theater, Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church. So Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church essentially gave their property to this team from Los Altos that wanted to plant a church right here in West San Jose. So this group of strangers, these two churches that were strangers to one another, came together and became one church family. And they named that church family Westgate Church. And Westgate Church, on December 19th, 1993, held their very first church service. I'll show you a photo right here. That's the theater. It's the theater right across the way. And in the 28 years since then, this church has continued to be the sort of place where strangers gather and become family, and where that family becomes an embodiment and expression of God's kingdom in the world, in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. And about eight years into the journey of Westgate Church, in June of 2001, Westgate Church invited a man named Steve Clifford to become its lead pastor. I'll show you a photo of Steve when he first became the lead pastor here at Westgate. This was 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago. Now, as we think back about the past 20 years, as we think about God's faithfulness through Steve and Dana and through hundreds of staff and hundreds of men and women who have served as elders here and through thousands upon thousands of men and women and kids who have called this church home, when we think about God's faithfulness over the past two decades, it's really mind-blowing. But again, it comes back to the same story. Over the past two decades, as Steve and Dana have led this community, what we have seen is God has continued to bring strangers together as family, and that family becoming an embodiment and expression of God's kingdom in the Silicon Valley and the Bay Area and all around the world. Over the past two decades alone, we have watched as God, through this church community, this family, as God has seen, has brought hundreds and hundreds of people to new life through baptism. Thousands of kids and students served and introduced to Jesus through our ministries. Thousands upon thousands of men and women who have found friendship and community through life groups and life stage groups and, and other connection opportunities. Tens of thousands of people who have heard the good news of Jesus, who have experienced the gospel proclaimed and declared, transforming and changing many of their lives. Over the last 20 years, this church has been able to financially support and help launch 10 different Bay Area church plants. So 10 different church communities that have been birthed, that this church has been a part, a small part of those stories. 
Over the last 20 years, this church has been able to financially and and staffing-wise support dozens of Bay Area churches and pastors. Thousands of you, literally thousands of you, and tens of thousands of service hours have been given toward Beautiful Day and our efforts to serve and to love our city, even through pandemics. Tens of millions of dollars have been given away from this church community, from your generosity toward local and global compassion efforts. This is what God has done just in the last two decades alone. I share these numbers with you not because I'm trying to boast or we want to pat ourselves on the back. I don't even share these numbers with you because numbers themselves are all that important. We share these numbers with you because every number represents a name and every name represents a story. And we don't have enough time to share every single story. There are tens of thousands of stories. So we share the numbers simply to capture a glimpse of how faithful God has been through this church community since 1953 and 1993, and specifically in the last 20 years. This isn't to pat ourselves on the back. This is to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in and through this church community and to remind ourselves of God's undeniable tendency to do his best work through the most surprising circumstances. God's incredible tendency to use a ragtag group of people like you and me to do the most amazing work. Why? Because it is undeniable that it's him and it's not us. I mean, this kind of impact, this kind of life change, this kind of goodness being brought into the world is nothing that you nor I could ever manufacture on our own. This is simply a reminder of God's incredible generosity and faithfulness to this church community, to this church family. Because this is what happens when strangers become family and that family becomes an expression and embodiment of God's kingdom on earth. It reminds me of Paul's words in Ephesians. His letter to the Ephesians in chapter two. Paul writes this. You are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his Household. That word household is actually a Greek word that has its roots in the word home, which was at the time used interchangeably with the word family. And so essentially, this means like you're not strangers, you're family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, and in him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to become what? A holy temple in the Lord. What is a temple? Throughout the Bible, the temple was the place where heaven met earth. Throughout the scriptures, the the temple matters because the temple was where a perfect, sinless Holy God created space to dwell amongst broken, sinful humans like you and me. The temple is the collision point between God and humanity, heaven and earth. 
And the temple up until Jesus' death and resurrection was always a geographic location. It was a literal building. It began as a giant tent, and then it became like this big, giant, ornate building. But what does Paul say, not just here in Ephesians, but throughout his letters? What does he say? He says the temple is no longer a place. The temple is a people. Essentially, where God collides with humanity, where heaven meets earth, is not in a building, it's not in a geographic location, it is now in a people. It's in a people who begin as strangers, then become family, who then are built up into an embodiment and expression of God and his goodness, and his love, and his grace working itself out in the world. A temple. This is what the church has always been. Since the beginning, since 2,000 years ago, when Jesus, upon his resurrection, before his ascension, when he tells them to go, and the early Christian church is launched, this is what the church has always been, and it is what it continues to be today. The church is when strangers become a household, a family, and that family together embodies and expresses the goodness of God in a real way in the real world, becomes the temple where heaven meets earth. The Lord's Prayer, how do we begin the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's temple language. And that's what the church is. It's men and women and children, young and old, gathering together. Though we might be strangers at first, becoming family, and then that family, by the Spirit of God, embodying and expressing God's will and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That was the story of this church way back in 1953 when Mildred and her family planted a church in West San Jose. Strangers got together, they became family, and that family became a temple in West San Jose. That's what this church was in 1993 when these strangers from Los Altos and West San Jose got together, formed a new church family, and that church family, Westgate Church, became an embodiment and expression of God's goodness, his kingdom right here in this part of our city. That's what this church has been since Steve and Dana arrived here 20 years ago. As Steve and the elders began to push us beyond what we thought were our limits, asking us to think globally about how we might impact the world and bring heaven to earth. It's about strangers who have found a home, a family here, and that family literally going to the ends of the earth the best we can to bring a bit of heaven to the places that need it the most. It's always been the story of this church. It's always been the story of the big C church. It's a place where strangers become family and the family becomes a temple. 
Mark Sayers, the writer Mark Sayers, puts it this way. He says that the church begins when a disparate and disheveled group of very ordinary people crying out to God are filled with his presence. I take so much comfort in this quote because I, on most days, am very deeply, acutely aware of how ordinary I am. But it is exactly through ordinary people like me and like you that God does his greatest work. And what does this family, what does this temple do? What does the church actually do? Like day in, day out. What are the markers that define us? Acts chapter 2 is often the passage that people go to to um, try to explore what the early church, what the first Christians, as they began gathering as the church, what they did. Acts 2, they, these early Christians, they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church, since the very beginning, has been a group of strangers who become family, who become a temple, and, and who together devote themselves to the teaching of the word and to fellowship, which is like this old school word meaning community, doing life together, to the breaking of bread, sharing meals, which is this really intimate exchange of relationship, and to prayer. It's a community of people who are together and live with everything in common. In other words, giving to one another as we have need. It's a group of people who continue meeting together with gladness and sincerity in our hearts. A group of people who continue praising God on the daily. And as we do, the Lord adds to the number those who are being saved. This is what Westgate Church has been. My hope and my prayer is that this is what Westgate Church will continue to be. A group of ordinary people like you and me, strangers who are gathered up as family, who devote themselves to teaching and to worship, to the breaking of bread, of life in community, that many might be saved. Ordinary people like you and me who become a family and then a temple embodying and expressing the kingdom of God in the Silicon Valley and beyond. Again, that is what this church has been, and our hope and our prayer is that that is what this church will continue to be in the years to come. And We believe it will because just as God has been faithful, it is our conviction that God continues to be faithful and will be faithful in the years to come. Some of you know um, this part of my story, but, uh, I, and I shared it back in November when Steve and I were up here sharing a bit about um, some of the transition that uh, Dan and Dana will mention here in a moment. 
But I grew up literally right here. Uh, from like fourth grade until my sophomore year of high school, my mother owned a small business in the little um, shopping plaza right here next to La Cueva. And so uh, at the time, my goal was not to be a pastor. <laughs> my goal was to um, play in the NBA. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. Why are you guys laughing so hard? <laughs> That's not nice, you guys. <laughs> it's still a very sensitive part of my, you know, gentle, be gentle. <laughs> uh, so I used to take a basketball and I used to literally dribble a basketball all around this property, like where you're sitting right now, I used to dribble a basketball all around this property. And um, I didn't share this back in November, this part of the story, but it, but it came to mind this past week. You know, our theater right here, the, the building we showed you earlier, the theater right across the way here, um, at the time when I would dribble a basketball, I, uh, I um, didn't have any siblings and I moved a lot when I was a kid, and so I was a pretty isolated, lonely kid, um, didn't have a lot of meaningful friendships, spent a lot of time alone. And um, so I would dribble this basketball by myself, and I remember I would pretend I was Michael Jordan, and I would take my basketball up against the back wall of our theater, and I would throw the ball against the wall of the theater. I would like pretend I was passing it to someone, and then like the ball would bounce back to me. And I would like I would practice like behind the back passes against the wall of our theater. I'm pretty sure I damaged that wall, so my apologies. Um, but that was a long time ago. It was like 30 years ago. So I would like bounce this basketball up against that wall, and I would pretend in my mind that I was like passing the ball to teammates, you know? The reason I thought about that is because I no longer dream about being in the NBA, most of the time, <laughs> maybe like a couple hours a month, I'll like kind of like, maybe, maybe, you know, do a little CrossFit or whatever. Um, I no longer dream about being in the NBA, but uh, I still dream, um, as I did then as a kid, I still dream about being a part of a team, you know, like a group of people moving together in the same direction to accomplish a particular goal or to accomplish a particular mission. And as, as unrealistic as it was for me to dream about being in the NBA, what I've come to realize now, 30 years later, is that God fulfilled that dream. Like I see it in all of your faces. Like for me, the, the greatest ministry joy of my life has been serving alongside you several years ago and for the last two years or so since I've been back. I mean, it's, it's been, it, it's thrilling for me because the mission we are on together to, be, to become a temple, to become a community of men and women who embody and express the kingdom of God in the Silicon Valley and beyond, I can't imagine a mission more worth giving my life to. And I know that that is true for so many of you. And for me, that's humbling. And it's, that's, that's everything. Like, it's not, it's not about who does what or titles or transitions even. It's about God continuing to bind up strangers into family 
and God by his spirit continuing to use that family to bring, to bring about kingdom good in West San Jose, in the Silicon Valley, and throughout the world. That's what we have always been about. My hope and prayer is that that, will, that is what we will continue to be about in the years to come. And I'm so honored and humbled to be a small part of that big story with you. I'm going to invite um, Dan and Dana to come, and they're going to share a few thoughts.